0: You are Locked On Chargers,
1: your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer, on today's show, one of the original members of the show. John Kegley joins us to break down the game against the Broncos. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football, but instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different. Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. For Chargers fans, it's always on the edge of your seat with the Chargers trying to give you a heart attack, but... You can grab a Pepsi because Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our third season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Alright guys, well we are back here for another Victory Monday. I guess last week was a Victory Friday, but three consecutive victories for the Chargers. They beat the Broncos 19-16 to 16 on Sunday, and now the Chargers have finally decided they want to win close games. But before we get into the show, thank you to everyone who's checking out the show for the first time today. We really appreciate it, and you get a Victory Monday, so that's always an extra bonus And a special thank you to all of our loyal fans as well. And we have a lot to get into today because we're going to start by talking about Justin Herbert leading his third consecutive game winning drive after, you know, he could not get a win seemingly in the first half of his season. And we'll also get into the Chargers being able to pull off a win like this, even though it was not pretty by any means, especially without some of their star players like Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa. And just does this affect Anthony Lynn? And his job status in 2021. But in the second segment, we'll get into our full game recap and we'll talk about a dominant first half by the Chargers defense and offense was okay. But the Chargers led 13 to zero at halftime. So we'll get into the biggest plays of the first half and also some more missed opportunities, even with that lead. And then to wrap up the show, we'll get into the second half where the Chargers faltered a lot. They had a lot of opportunities to put the game away. But at the end of it, they end up giving up a lead and then coming back down to hit the game-winning field goal. So we'll get into all of the biggest plays, but let's go ahead and get into it. The Los Angeles Chargers beat the Denver Broncos on Sunday with Justin Herbert's third straight game-winning drive. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. The Chargers, after really struggling all season long, ended up winning their third straight game on Sunday, beating the Denver Broncos 19-16. to winning their second straight divisional game for the first time since 2018. And it was a very ugly game for the Chargers who were definitely shorthanded in this one, missing some of their biggest stars. But what ended up getting them this win was the Chargers being resilient and coming back at the end and getting a game-winning 37-yard field goal from Michael Badgley. And Justin Herbert didn't have his best day, but he continues to be the answer for the Chargers and the Chargers continue to ride him to victories late in this season, David. And although this doesn't help the Chargers draft position, it still has to be a great confidence building win when you can pull off your third straight victory in a season like this one.
0: No question about it. I think it's really good for the young quarterback too, to to understand the feeling of winning and also orchestrating those game winning drives. I mean, I think that's going to build some good momentum and uh, some experience for the young quarterback. I mean, next year going into his sophomore season, you can say that he's already orchestrated a couple of game winning drives. He's been there. He, he knows how that feels, knows what that looks like, and he knows that he can get that done. So I, I think that's an invaluable experience for the rookie quarterback. And this one, this game winning drive does not happen without two 23 yard plays a 23 yard pass to Jalen Guyton and a 23 yard run by Austin Eckler. Where he was running through people and dragging defenders pretty incredible play but in this game Justin Herbert broke the record for the most passing touchdowns by a rookie quarterback in NFL history and he also became the first rookie in NFL history with 4,000 plus passing yards and 25 plus passing touchdowns so Justin Herbert having a incredible season one for the record books And when it's all said and done, he could have all of the meaningful records for rookie quarterbacks. Justin Herbert having a truly incredible game. Despite the Broncos coming back, the Chargers were able to put themselves in position to win this game. Michael Badgley hits that 37-yard field goal. And Mike Williams seals the game with an interception. So it is very much a 2020 version of a
1: win. None of the Chargers' victories have really come easy this season. Even their only double-digit victory against the Jaguars came with them blowing a 16-point lead in the second half. So it's been a struggle for them all season long. But yes, Justin Herbert continues to be prolific. Michael Badgley, even though none of the field goals were over 43 yards and 45-plus is really where he struggles, he was still able to go 4-for-4 after missing two potential go-ahead field goals Last week against the Raiders. So it was a nice bounce back game for him. And for the Chargers at this point, you'll take it any way you can get it because we've seen the ball bounce the wrong way for them so many times this year. So even though they did give up another double digit fourth quarter lead, they were able to come back when they really needed it and get a field goal. To win the game, but obviously they still have a lot to work on. This was not a pretty game, and most of that was probably because the Chargers were missing some of their best players. I thought the defense missing Joey Bosa, Andrew Chen, and Wosu played a big factor, and they were also missing two of their top receivers really their two top receivers hunter henry and keenan allen so even though it was ugly david i think when you add in the factor of missing those players i thought it was still a good win for these young players who continue to step up and even even though nobody had a ridiculously good game it was still an overall sound effort by a lot of young players i mean it's just a test of their adversity
0: i mean they're with the chargers are going into this game The Chargers went into this game without their best sack artists in Joey Bosa and Uchen Wosu, and they did not get very much pressure on the quarterback at all. Drew Locke had plenty of time to throw the the football most of the time, but there was a lot of drops on that side, and the Chargers played some pretty good coverage as well. Uh, There was only two sacks on the game, one by Nick Vigil and half a sack each for Jaleel Adai and Chris Harris Jr., but they only got a, a net negative one yard from those two sacks. And then in the stead of Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen, you had Mike Williams, who had four catches for 54 yards, but on 10 targets. So that's not exactly a stat line that you're looking to see. And we were wondering who was going to step up with Hunter Henry down. And that happened to be Steven Anderson, who actually had a pretty decent game, had four catches for 48 yards. And Donald Barham also contributed with two catches for 47 yards. But I think the biggest question after this game, Daniel, is, with another Chargers victory and with the potential of facing a Chiefs team that might not be playing most of their starters, if they get another win, is that going to be enough to save Anthony Lynn's job? I know that's a question on a lot of Charger fans' minds, and we'll have to wait until after week 17 to get that answer.
1: Right. At the end of this season, the Chargers could end up 7-9, and nine, and I think this is a cautionary tale because this almost identical situation happened for the Atlanta Falcons in 2019. They ended up winning their last four games of the season to get to 7-9, and nine, which is obviously still a losing record, but it was enough to save Dan Quinn's job. And for Anthony Lynn, he has that same opportunity, but for the Falcons, they realized their mistake early on this season because Dan Quinn went on to have an 0-5 start before getting fired mid-season, so this is something that the Chargers have to avoid, and it's hard to look past, you know, four consecutive victories potentially to end the season, but when you look at what the Chargers have done in these games, they've still not really fixed a lot of the issues that got them off to such a slow start to begin with, so it's hard to say that the coaches have totally fixed all of the problems that they've had with clock management and some of those things. There wasn't any huge disasters in that sense in this game, but But still, a lot of the problems that linger during the Chargers losing streaks are still alive and well during their winning streak. So the Chargers have to look much farther than this winning streak to decide on whether Anthony Lynch should be back for the 2021 season. But we do have two more segments to get into because we do have to get into the game recap. So we'll get into a big return in the Chargers scoring early but losing out on some potential opportunities in the first half and much more coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official Betting sponsor of the locked on charges podcast is a betonline.ag. I know you guys are ready for some football. College football is about to head into bowl season, and there are some big matchups even coming up this weekend. I mean, it's week 17. Get your bets in right now, and there's only one place to do it. There's only one place that has you covered, and there's only one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. Right now, we have a special offer for our listeners. You guys can sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. That's free money to put on the games this weekend with the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word. So what are you guys waiting for? Get out there and bet on some games that makes every game more fun, even when it's not Charger games. And you can get that free bonus at betonline.ag. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into the game recap from this one, and I know these game recaps are always a lot better when the Chargers win, but there's a lot of plays to get into from this one, and obviously we won't be able to get into all of them, but I think there were a lot of big plays to talk about, and I think it started at the very beginning of the game, and it was pretty bittersweet, I would say, to start the game because Nazir Adderley has been a really good kick returner for the Chargers, and he showed why he's back there right now on the first play of the game because he ends up taking the opening kickoff 53 yards out to give the Chargers great field position on their first drive. But the frustrating part of it is, John, is they only end up getting a field goal out of it. They're not really able to truly capitalize. It would have been really nice to get a touchdown on that drive. But this is something that we didn't necessarily expect to take from this season. Obviously, Joe Reed was drafted to be a kick returner, and they haven't shown any faith to actually use him as a wide receiver. But Nazir Adderley, I mean, he's just a really good returner. He has good vision. He always seems to be able to break it outside and he doesn't seem to have the long speed to take it all the way to the house I mean if he keeps returning like this I'm sure he'll get one eventually but that still is one of the nice surprises from this season is Nazir Adderley stepping up as a kick returner and not just that but actually being more explosive than we've seen any Chargers kick returner in a while
2: and we saw this in his Delaware tape yep. he was doing those pump returns those kick returns interception returns he had a lot of really good returns and so we were even wondering could he possibly be our kick returner even though that's a risky thing, too, because there's a lot of big hits that happen on kicks that could take out a potential starting safety. Sure, But his returns are pretty amazing. Do we, Is he probably going to outrun everybody, like you were saying? Probably not, but you'll take a good field position start for your offense on the other side of the 50, whether it's a kick return for a touchdown or a kick return to the 30, whatever it is. But the fact that the offense just couldn't get in the end zone just shows we have a lack of basically capitalizing on great opportunities like big plays. It could be interception, fumble, kick return, whatever it is. We just for some reason can't take advantage of it. I would have wanted to see a deep shot to the end zone on the first play. Like, hey, you just got your guys hyped up. This might be that time to take advantage of like a culture shock of the Broncos' new DBs that are just a bunch of fourth and fifth stringers. Take a deep shot, take a chance, try to gain a bunch of momentum, and instead it's Anthony Lynn conservative play calling to start the game.
1: Yeah, and that's something that we have gotten used to, but that would be kind of a theme for this game as far as the Chargers not taking advantage of big opportunities, and it even kept going on the next drive because the Broncos did drive right down the field. that chewed up a lot of yards, but then Drew Locke gets intercepted by Casey Hayward after the ball gets tipped by a Denver wide receiver, and then he foolishly takes it out of the end zone. That was not a good decision by him, but... The thing that hurts about it, David, is that the Chargers end up only going five plays and 14 yards and having to punt. And Obviously, you'll take a 3-0 lead in the first quarter early on. That's not terrible, but it's the situation that you have. I mean, you get a 53-yard kick return. You're only able to get three points out of it. You end up getting an interception and taking points off the board for the Broncos, but then you end up having to punt. So Even after you make a few big plays early on, all you have to show for is is three points.
0: Yeah, and I just hate the fact that when you get a big play, they don't get the big momentum swing afterwards like like john was talking about with the the taking the deep shot i mean we hear the play-by-play announcers all the time talking about after an interception after a big play why don't you take a deep shot i mean that's when you want to shock them the most you already got a shock with the big return you already got a shock with the pick you know in the red zone you know and you don't do anything with it i mean i'm always a big believer in taking that shot trying to steal the momentum and getting a quick score the chargers don't do that and again they didn't in this one they let that opportunity slip through their fingers and they waste a perfectly good turnover
1: yeah and it wasn't totally the offense that we saw a few weeks ago against the falcons where they were just only throwing to running backs and everything was super short but we still weren't seeing them take those deep shots either and obviously When the other team is down to the, you know, fourth and fifth string corners, that's somewhere that you want to attack. And we've seen other teams attack the Chargers even when they have both of their starting corners on plays like that. And that it's really come back to haunt them a lot of times. But, yes, I mean, just huge missed opportunities. And, honestly, the Broncos missed a lot of opportunities in this game, too. Because on their next drive, they go 10 plays and go 36 yards. But they end up missing a field goal. And, I mean, they shouldn't even have really had an attempt at a field goal. But the Chargers...
0: Did you say 10 plays, 36 yards?
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 10 plays, 36 yards. Not very efficient. But the thing was is that's also including the penalty that the Chargers got on a field goal attempt, which Brandon McManus ends up hitting the upright and ends up bouncing off to the left left. They miss it, but of course the Chargers get haunted by another special teams penalty. That ends up giving the Broncos a five extra yards and an extra attempt at the field goal. Justin Jones commits the latest special teams penalty. And then on the second attempt from 37 yards, he hits the upright and it goes right and doesn't make it as well. I mean, a John put on Twitter, it was a doink flag doink. I mean, it's harder to hit the upright than it is to make a field goal. And I think that's really the funny part about it is it's like, it's almost impossible to hit that upright, the same upright twice in a row, but the the Broncos miss out on an opportunity, and they aren't able to put up any points, aren't able to put any points on the board, and they would be at a premium in the first half, but this time, the Chargers actually took advantage. They end up going nine plays, 73 yards to get a touchdown to make the score 10-0. to On third and three, Herbert ends up finding Austin Eckler split out wide to the left. He makes a man miss and gets into the end zone, and Mike Williams also had a nice 25-yard catch and run on the drive, but that was positive, John. The Broncos end up missing a field goal. You get some decent field position, and you go down and score a touchdown, that's what you want to see. You also want to see Mike Williams making a big play. I mean, the fact that we don't see more catch and run opportunities like that for Mike Williams definitely seems like something that either he or the Chargers just aren't taking advantage of enough because there's certain flashes where you see he has the capability, but it's not something you ever see consistently. But the Chargers do find a way to get into the end zone. And on the third and three play, at least, you know, you're putting it in your best playmaker's hands. I'd like to see it go beyond the line of scrimmage and beyond the first down marker, but it was actually a pretty nicely set up play. They got a good block from the wide receiver on the play. And Austin Eckler does what he does, becomes the, youngest undrafted rookie including wide receivers to get 15 receiving touchdowns I mean that was cool to see him get in the end zone and it would be the only touchdown the Chargers got all day
2: which is amazing with the opportunities you have that you yeah. got one touchdown the whole game but at least it was the touchdown yeah to break the Baker Mayfield's record for Justin Herbert but like you said with Mike Williams the Chargers just don't attack past the line of scrimmage so Mike Williams doesn't get the opportunity to catch the ball and run unless you do a wide receiver screen, but that's not his strength. His strength is to catch the ball 10 yards, 12 yards down the field, and then continue running. You don't get that opportunity because you're constantly dumping the ball off on a wide receiver screen or to the running backs, something behind the line of scrimmage. If you attack down the field, we've seen that it works really well, but for some reason we still want to keep doing plays that result in 2-yard losses, 3-yard losses, or you have to break 5 tackles just to get a 2-yard gain. It's amazing. You have guys that are really good in space, guys that can get open deep, guys that can make a 5-yard play turn into a 12-yard play, but you still want to attack behind the line of scrimmage. It doesn't make sense.
1: Well, and there's been a couple times too, and I think some of it is on Mike Williams. If you go back to the Saints game – Him making the catch on a ball that was thrown in not the best spot. He's not able to get the first down. Marshawn Lattimore brings him down. There's been a couple other times, too, where they've thrown it to him short of the first down marker, which I don't agree with. And he hasn't been able to pick up the first down in a play that you can tell they're trying to set up for some sort of catch and run. But you go back to the Jaguars game, and he gets a big touchdown doing that as well. I mean, You've seen him have those opportunities. You remember the, you know, a couple of years ago against the Chiefs in that big game. He had the rushing touchdown, which, you know, we're not really seeing him take a lot of jet sweeps these days. But it was nice for the Chargers to finally actually get into the end zone. The play calling was still only okay, but good things happen for the Chargers when they throw the ball down the field a little bit. And we just still continue to not see that enough from them. But the defense was able to back up. The Chargers on that one. On third and 13, they rolled out the picket fence defense again. We haven't seen that one in a while. And really, I mean, it seems like teams always kind of attack it the same way. They go wide receiver screen. This one's to Jerry Judy. He picks up 10, and those are always still scary because if he makes a guy miss, he probably gets a first down, right? If he he breaks one tackle, they played it pretty well. They all, you know, swarmed to the football, but I still don't love that from the Chargers defense. I think they can come up with something a little bit more creative than that but the Chargers do get the ball back they end up adding on a field goal to make it 13 to 0 on third and eight Herbert finds Jalen Guyton for 29 yards but of course like we've talked about so many times this season the drive gets derailed by a 15-yard penalty this time it's by Trey Turner with a hands-to-the-face penalty and they're only able to get three out of that instead of seven and we wanted them in this game to finish off drives with touchdowns and if they did I mean it's probably not even a close game right but Anyways, the Broncos on their four-drive aren't able to capitalize on it. After they get a couple of quick first downs, Drew Locke ends up throwing three incomplete passes. There's a drop by Jerry Judy in there, and he didn't have There was a lot of those. Yeah, that was a theme for this game as well. But this is the frustrating part of it, David, is the Chargers get the ball back with a minute and 41 seconds left. They get a nice 12-yard catch by Mike Williams. They get a nice rhythm. Parham gets a 21-yard gain. And when you're trying to add on points at the end of the half, what happens Justin Herbert rolls out to the left. He gets sacked from behind, fumbles it for a 20-yard loss. They end up letting the time run out, but that was just such a momentum killer going into the half. You were pretty dominant. I mean, you didn't give up a single point in the first half. You have a chance. A minute 41 is plenty of time to get in the end zone, let alone a field goal attempt and, I mean, it's hard to blame that one totally on the offensive line. Like, Herbert had enough time. His first couple of reads weren't there. He rolled down to the left. It's not like he had great protection on the day. But a play like that, I mean, props to Donald Parham. That's points for the Broncos if he doesn't get on top of it. But it was definitely a killer for the Chargers offense.
0: Yeah, and I remember one thing about that drive before half is that they started it with a running play. And I was like, why? Always. Why the hell are you doing that? I don't understand. Why are you starting the drive with a run that – basically got nothing and then then they proceed to to try to orchestrate down the field and yes i mean if it's not for the six foot eight monster of a tight end being able to fall on the football it could have been disastrous because there's a couple of defenders that were you know looking to try to pick that thing up and race all the way to the end zone but thankfully parham was able to secure it no harm and they go into halftime mercifully without giving up a huge play
1: yeah, and I mean that would have been totally Chargers to give up, you know, a fumble return touchdown right before they have to lose all that momentum. It still hurts to not put up points for yourself because I mean if you make that twenty to zero at halftime, you're feeling pretty good about the game. The Chargers definitely could have. But I mean Anthony Lynn has already announced to every team in the league if they listen to his press conferences, that's his philosophy. Before halftime, he wants to see if they can break something on a running play before he decides if he wants to go down and get points, which is just one of the dumbest things. I've ever heard, but yes, it continues. It happens pretty much in every Chargers two-minute drive. They almost always start with a run. It's the most obvious thing in the world. And yeah, they've broken off a couple, you know, twelve to fifteen-yard gains off that. But guess what? If you keep doing the same thing in the same situation every time, teams are going to wise up to it, and it's going to turn into a no gain or a loss on a lot of those plays. But the Chargers still going to halftime thirteen to zero. In the first game, they went into it with a big lead at halftime and gave up four second-half touchdowns. So it was in this case. Can the Chargers come out strong in the second half and put the Broncos away? Spoiler alert, it wouldn't be that easy. And we're going to get into all of the biggest plays and the game-winning field goal of the second half coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar in the world. And of course, I'm talking about a Built Bars, my favorite protein bar. And for me, I always tell you guys, I have to like the taste of a protein bar if I'm going to eat it consistently. And that's the nice thing about Built Bars, they have flavors that everyone is going to like. There's 18 flavors to pick from peanut butter, banana bread are a couple of my favorites. Peanut butter brownie is a great one as well. And all the bars are 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are great for the health conscious guy. If you're trying to lose or maintain weight, you can do that while indulging in a delicious treat. You can feel like you're having a candy bar when you're really eating something that's good for you and good for what you're trying to do. And right now we have a special offer for our listeners. If you guys go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code Locked LOCKEDON and you can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into this second half, and this was big for the Chargers because in that first game, the Chargers were dominant defensively as well in the first half, and I think the Chargers obviously got a little bit lucky with some drops and some missed opportunities by the Broncos in this one to get the first half shutout, but either way, it was a tale of two halves last time, and the Broncos would come back in the second half. The defense would give up 16 points, but it was how they got there and then how the Chargers ended up being resilient at the end to win it, but... The Chargers missed out on a ton of opportunities because coming out of halftime, we finally saw something we don't often see from this defense, and that is getting a stop coming out of halftime. The Broncos end up going eight plays for 30 yards. They end up getting an intentional grounding call by Drew Locke that ends up making it third and 20, and they're able to get the ball back. But the Chargers aren't able to capitalize. They go three plays, get two yards, and they end up having to punt. But the frustrating thing is, is first down, you run. Second down, you run. The net gain on those two runs one yard so now you're putting Justin Herbert in a third and nine situation right away John that ends up turning into a third and 14 for the Chargers and it's just too hard to put that on your rookie quarterback I mean we've talked about it so many times how passing on first down can soften things up and to start the game the Chargers were throwing a lot on first down but to come out of halftime and the most creative thing you can do is two runs for one yard after you're trying to make adjustments and then putting Justin Herbert in a third and nine and then another penalty to make it third and fourteen, that's pretty uninspiring as far as getting started offensively in the second half.
2: It almost felt like we were okay with a thirteen and nothing lead, like, okay, it's time to just run the ball, run this clock out and Complacent. get out of here with this win. It just it just felt like you weren't gonna try and score more points or try to put the game away more like they felt 13 points is good enough 13 to 0 okay we're good guys let's just go round this clock and win there was no aggressive play calling until after the Broncos came back before that it was mostly the conservative play calling for the most part that you see on the entire season the game the play calling that led to The last choke against the Broncos and then against Tampa Bay, against all the other teams that you gave up leads against, there's so many. It's the same play calling. They never come out and just say, okay, let's go for the kill. Let's turn this 13-0 lead to 30-0. Let's go out there and turn it into even 27 to to score two touchdowns. It was basically let's run out the clock. It's the best way to explain it. Run, run, pass. Okay, let's just punt it. We'll get them next time.
1: It's frustrating. It does seem like they get complacent offensively. And it also seems like they just don't trust Justin Herbert because sometimes in some games, you can tell the game plan is super conservative. And then at some point, they just have to let Justin Herbert air it out. And all he does is succeed, you know? So it's frustrating to see that you get the ball back from your defense to start the second half. You have a 13-point lead, which means... Not only should you not be conservative, it means you can be a little bit more risky. You can take a big shot down the field when they probably think you're going to run, which is why you go two runs, one of them is negative yardage, and you only end up gaining one yard out of both of those runs put together. I mean, it's just brutal, and I think that they have to trust Justin Herbert. Like, just let him throw it. It Might he throw an interception? He almost threw one early in the game to a linebacker when he was targeting Mike Williams, but it's like you have to live with it because – the reward is going to far outweigh the risk. That was a great opportunity for the Chargers to take a shot. They're not able to do it, and the Broncos on their next drive end up putting some points on the board to make it 13-3 to with a field goal. Broncos get a big play from Deshaun Hamilton for 18 yards. Royce Freeman gets a 10-yard rush, and they're able to put their first points up of the game. And then on the Chargers' next drive, this was the frustrating part because they go 11 plays, 68 yards, end up kicking a field goal to make it 16-3, to But it was another drive where the Chargers missed out on big opportunities. Parham gets another nice game. This time it's 26 yards. On second and 10, though, the Chargers go backwards because they throw it to Jalen Guyton behind the line of scrimmage. I don't know what that play call was. That was the ugliest play
0: call I've ever seen. I was like, what in the hell are they doing? Scrap that, Shane. Never, ever call that play again.
1: I mean, it was it was so bad. It almost seemed like they were trying to set up like a double pass or something. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't, but like it, t- to throw it, you know, nine yards behind the line of scrimmage and tell Jaden Guyton to make a man miss is not a good play call. Austin Eckler ends up getting eleven back on the next play, and surprisingly, the Chargers go for it on fourth and eight. I mean, they were in no man's land, so like it it didn't make sense for them. They couldn't really try a field goal from that length. But Justin Herbert, I thought, it was a nice heads-up play on that one. I thought he was going to lower his shoulder into a DB and probably knock the guy out for the game. He scrambles to the left. He gets the first down. It was a great play by him. You hope to see that more often. But it was a lack of consistency, David, because then you get down to the two-yard line, and what do you do? You end up not going for it. Now you decide to go for the field goal to make it 16-3. to Even though you're on the two-yard line, you have a couple of almost touchdowns, already mike williams isn't able to pull in a diving catch in the end zone he had a couple that were close to him on that drive but it's just it's hard to understand you know why not try to put the game away right there you it was already a two possession game as it was you were up by 10 now you're up by 13 and for chargers fans all you can think of is like oh great two touchdowns and they're going to win by one point which is what the broncos won by in the last matchup but it's just you have five wins you're on the 2-yard line. Go for a touchdown.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you re- literally have nothing to lose. You really don't have very much to gain either uh, uh, other than w- winning a football game, you know, in a meaningless season where, you know, it doesn't really matter anymore, but that's the point. Is go for the touchdown. You're 2 yards away. Just punch it in. Just go for it. Just make a play. And they didn't. They're still playing conservatively, even in in that situation, which it just doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, they kicked a field goal, which is great. I mean, it's, it's less than an extra point. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I hate that play call. I mean, go for it. If you're going to go for it, and, you know, I understand, you know, going for it in the other situation because field position wasn't really an object there. You know, like you said, they were kind of in, in no no man's land there. But And we've seen them know,
1: punt that ball earlier this season, so I guess you get something for that. But, yeah, I mean, not yeah. much.
0: No, no, but, yes, I, I don't understand them not going for the touchdown there. But that's the head coach. That's, that's Anthony Lynn, point blank, period.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. And then, of course, what happens, John? The Broncos end up getting a field goal. Tavon Campbell ends up making a nice play on a deep pass on third down. Could have easily been a pass interference. I didn't think he made a lot of contact. He didn't do a great job of getting his head around. Didn't draw the flag, though. Gets the gets the Broncos off the field. Takes some points off the board for them. They end up adding on a field goal to make it 16-6. to And then the Broncos go 11 plays, 72 yards, another drive later after the Chargers have a three and out. Another three and out when they get the ball back, they need points and they get nine yards on the first, first and 10. So then they had to punt from their own side of the field, neither here nor there, but the Chargers had a couple of chances to get off the field on fourth and seven. Drew Locke finds Tim Patrick for 27 yards and then Drew Locke ends up scoring later on in a one yard sneak. But that's why it's so hard when you see them not being so aggressive because, John, you end up going for the field goal there and then you end up going two three-and-outs in a row. The Chargers end up getting a holding call on the next one. <laughs> the, the Broncos cut it to three and then the Chargers not only get a holding call on the kickoff return that kills the field position, then they end up getting another false start and make it first and 15 to start the drive. So not only do you go three-and-out again, But then you end up giving up 13 straight points because the Broncos are able to tack on a field goal after that. I mean, it was just brutal. Two three and outs, giving them great field position, not putting the game away. And that's why it's so hard to have confidence the Chargers have turned a corner even with this winning streak because it's the same stuff we've seen them lose other games.
2: It's almost like the last Bronco game. You gave up four second-half touchdowns. This time you gave up four second-half scoring drives to allow them to come back and tie the game. It's conservative play calling. In the first half, you were a lot more aggressive, too, for the most part. There was some of that bend-don't-break defense, but you were a lot more aggressive in the first half. Second half, like I said earlier, you have a 13 nothing lead. You feel like you're okay, and now you start backing off and playing that conservative defense, and it allows them to come back into the game. And then the, all of a sudden, the Chargers turn the switch back on, and now they're back to being aggressive and throwing the ball down the field and sending more guys at the, after Drew Locke. It doesn't make sense why you have to wait until oh, you've completely screwed up to start over again. It's like when I watch basketball and I see a team that has like a 13 nothing lead or a 13-point lead, I should say. And all of a sudden, the the opponent, the team that's losing is starting to make this run. And instead of being a coach going, okay, they've got seven points. Let's call a timeout fix this. You, they wait until they score 14 straight. Now they're losing, and then they call a timeout. Right. I feel like that's what the Chargers are doing right now.
1: That's what it felt like. I mean, all the momentum that they had, and not that they had a lot at that point, was totally gone. I guess you give credit to the defense for forcing a couple of field goals, but... At the same time, they gave up three consecutive scores. And in the first game, the Chargers ended up settling for field goals in the second half instead of touchdowns, which allowed the Broncos to get back in the game, but at least they were somewhat moving the ball. This was just a total shutdown by the Chargers offense. You end up getting six yards on two drives when you I mean either time you can go down and score a touchdown and really put the game away. But to their credit, Justin Herber ends up leading another game-winning touchdown drive, and this is <laughs> Kind of why that kind of stat is so funny, and you know, just quarterback stats like wins and things like that are funny because really it was Austin Eckler that gets him in position to do it. He gets the twenty-three yard run. He has an eleven yard run to start the drive, and then also Herbert ends up getting a nice twenty-six yard throw to Jalen Guyton that obviously puts them in great field position. But then on third and five, if the Chargers get a first down, they can take the field goal attempt with one second left. Justin Herbert ends up getting sacked and. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. You lose five yards of field position. It took up from a 32 to a 37-yard field goal, so that's not the end of the world. It's honestly probably better than stopping the clock for the Broncos in that case because then you made them, you know, at least you took most of the time away and they already didn't have any timeouts. So in that way it worked, but it seems like whenever the Chargers need a good play, the protection breaks down, and that's another sack, the second sack of the game for the Broncos where they end up, you know, making a big play when the chargers have a chance to put the game away again credit to michael badgley it's a 37 yard field goal but i mean we've seen him miss some pretty bad field goals especially with games on the line so far this year so it was nice to see that and then on the broncos last drive on fourth and 10 they have a pass that's bobbled by a receiver knocked up in the air and ends up as a 25 yard gain to give them a shot at a hail mary and then on the hail mary attempt mike williams in the end zone, <laughs> finally looks like the jump ball Mike Williams that we love jumps out, you know, out jumps everybody, gets the interception. Now, him and Keenan Allen both have an interception in their career. That's kind of cool. And the Chargers end up getting their third straight win. But obviously, it's hard to feel great about a game like this, but it is great to see Justin Herbert finally getting those wins under his belt because it seemed like he was doing everything he could to will this team to victory earlier on in the season. They just kept finding ways to blow it. Did they shoot themselves in the foot in this game? Absolutely. But at least in this case, they ended up finally winning the game. And more importantly, they're winning divisional games, two divisional games in a row for the first time since 2018. It was a good sign to see the Chargers do that. I don't think that the coaching was the reason they did it because I think a good, a well coached team probably beats this team 30 to seven or something along those lines, because that's how beat up the Broncos were. The charges were undermanned, they found a way to get it done, and they end up winning the game 19-16, to but more to talk about from this game, so tomorrow we'll get into our what went right and what went wrong with our expert John Kegley back on the show with us tomorrow, and we'll break down all the biggest plays, and there were some positive plays to get into as well. I mean, some young guys stepping up, the returns of Nazir Adderley, the defense, I mean, holding them to what they did in this game, a lot of stuff to talk about, but we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LAC and to like the Facebook page On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from: Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find it. You can find the Lockdown Chargers podcast there, and make sure to rate and review as well. We would really appreciate it. We don't have a lot of voicemails after this last game. I don't know if you guys are checked out on this, you know, playoff list season, but we do want to get into some voicemails this week. So if you guys want to call into the show, the number is three two three. We try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show, and we'll probably have that for you guys on Wednesday this week. But that is going to wrap it up for us today. Another Chargers victory, and we'll be back with you guys tomorrow to talk about it a little bit more. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.